You know anybody in your life who just loves to complain? <laughs> it's just kind of that state of mind for some people, right? And you may try to help them in circumstances or situations at different times, you try to reach out and help, and e either they don't accept it or they just always have a, yeah, but there's always something else. There's always some trial or emergency swirling around their lives. And sometimes you think, well, maybe in some weird way they prefer that. Maybe they prefer that type of existence, that type of life. Well, in John chapter 5 this morning, we're kind of in between message series. Uh, we will kick off our new fall message series and small groups and D groups and all those things on September 17th. So that's coming in a few weeks, but um, in this interim period um, between Philippians and that new message series, we're going to look at a few different passages of scripture. And this morning we're looking at John chapter 5, and we're going to see that Jesus searches out a gentleman who has some serious issues, but Jesus has come to heal him. Jesus comes to give him relief and healing. But he comes with true healing and real solutions, not simply to patronize him, right? Not simply just to, to have a gripe session, but to really bring healing. And this morning, God wants to bring healing in your life. All of us, wherever you're at, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, you know, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world and, and we all deal with struggles at different times. Um, we live in a place of desperation. We all have needs. We all have brokenness. We live in this broken world. And Jesus addresses that in this passage of Scripture in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 17, as he engages this man who is struggling. His struggle may be different than yours or mine, but it's struggle nonetheless. And Jesus comes to him and brings real, true healing. And so we're going to look at that um, and find healing for ourselves, for our souls, and in our circumstances and situations this morning, we can find healing. Can I move very much or no, not much? I can move a little bit. Actually, let me just move this wire. Ugh. Sorry, I'm easily distracted. And it's under my feet, aggravating me. All right, John chapter 5. Um, I'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 17. It says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed 
and he took up his bed and walked. Praise God. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you. Jesus came and Jesus approached this man and Jesus healed this man and gave it to us as an example this morning to teach us. God, may our ears be alert and our hearts soft to receive that teaching. Holy Spirit, speak this morning in Christ's name. Amen. So a little context. So Jesus comes up to Jerusalem, it says, for this feast, right? He was a good Jewish boy, good Jewish man. He came to the festivals. It doesn't tell us which one it was. Um, he also had some et uh, eternal appointments with people. We see one with this gentleman. Now, Jesus has been in Jerusalem, and he goes to this place described in verse 2 and 3. The by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda has five colonnades, roof colonnades, and in that lies all these invalids and lame and paralyzed. Now, first he talks about the sheep's gate. What that was, it was an entrance um, in the outer walls of the temple grounds where they would bring sheep who had been purchased uh, for sacrificing and brought them through this gate. And they would bring them into this area where there were different, several pools and these colonnade, uh, roofed colonnade areas, areas. There were different pools in that area. And one of those places was a place where they cleansed and cleaned the sheep. Um, and so, um, you know, we have this fountain in Central Park, Bethesda Fountain there. And that is mo uh, modeled after this place. This is what they're talking about, this place and the angel of mercy above it. Um, because um, this is where there was a belief that an angel of mercy would come and stir the waters. Now, there's a verse, verse 4 that unless you have a King James Version, is not in your Bible. If it's an ESV, NIV, those, verse 4 is missing. And that verse 4 says, For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up the water, stepped in, was made well, whatever. It's believed that th this is not in the earliest um, transcripts. Um, this is, and manuscripts. It's also not mentioned uh, by Josephus, this pool where there's this uh, magical thing happening with an angel stirring the water. There is some evidence that that area uh, had some underground, it was an underground spring. And so uh, uh, every now and then it would come in and stir the waters, the, the springs would stir. And, and, and so we're not, we're not exactly sure about that, but the best manuscripts, the earliest manuscripts, don't have that verse in there. But the point is in this area, this is where all the invalids 
came. This is where the paralyzed and the sick came. There weren't any big, you know, New York Presbyterian wasn't around there or Mount Sinai. There weren't these hospitals there. So they, they would come there. And Jesus came to this place, right into the middle of this, where there's pain and suffering. These people could not care for themselves. I'm sure it didn't smell pleasant, right? There was sickness and death everywhere. And in, in this culture at this time, there was not room for these people in regular society, especially among the religious because they all wanted to stay ceremonially clean, right? So they couldn't touch or be around these invalids. Even Jesus' own disciples at times, remember? They brushed beggars aside, those that were sick and blind. And so um, it's into this context that Jesus comes. He steps into it. And he demonstrates a couple things to you and to me and to this gentleman that he engages. First of all, Jesus heals. Jesus heals in real ways. It's not just theoretical or theological. He heals. He, he steps into our mess. He steps into our brokenness. He repairs in real ways. Jesus heals, but the other thing is that we play a part in that healing. According to this passage, faith, honest faith. And so I want to look at, break down these two main points as we see from Christ's actions and words, how it is that we can find healing. What does this mean for us in finding healing this morning? So first of all, Jesus heals. It says in verse six there, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? See, Jesus came right into that brokenness, that difficulty, that, that place of the colonnades was a terrible place, but Jesus walked right into the middle of it, right up to this man. See, he cared for this man. He saw this man. He saw him in his struggles. Jesus sees you this morning. He cares for you. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your life. He's intimately aware of what you're going through this morning. Whatever struggle you've brought in with you, there's nothing too small or too big for Jesus. And see, this is where sometimes we, we get in trouble because we have our spiritual lives. Even those things that we pray about at times, are on one level, and then we have the everyday, everyday grind of life, and we kind of keep that from Jesus. He doesn't want to hear that, right? He doesn't care about No, he cares about all of it. He cares about you. He sees you this morning. I think sometimes we forget how Jesus sees me, how he sees you. He sees you with eyes of love. Jesus told us that the very hairs on your head are numbered. Right? Peter tells us that Christ cares for us so we can cast our cares on him. Paul reminded us that nothing separates us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate you this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening in the world around you, even in your heart this morning. Nothing can separate you from him, neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither the present, the future, not even your past. No powers, no height or depth, anything will be able to separate us from the love of, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So listen, this morning, Christ sees you. He knows every struggle that you are dealing with. And you may say, well, this is, I'm not quite in the place where this guy was in. It doesn't matter. 
Jesus sees you and he cares about your life. Wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need healing in, whatever there's brokenness or uncertainty, one thing you can be sure of this morning is that Jesus knows about it even more than you. He knows the motivations behind it. He knows the causes of it even better than I do. And he cares for me and he cares that I'm hurting. Sometimes we just think God has forgotten about us or where he's not interested in kind of what I'm going through. He, he is, he does, he does care. But see, what happens is we're used to immediate satisfaction. And that's what the world offers us so often. Immediate satisfaction, physically, emotionally, psych, psychologically. We want something now, a pill, a book, a way of, whatever it is, I want it right now. And sometimes Jesus is working in our lives. Jesus is waiting on us to come to him, and that's going to come in just a moment. But he is aware of what you're going through. He's active in your life. It's interesting there in that verse he says, Jesus knew that he had been lying there a long time. Jesus knows, God knows the details of what's going on in your life. He knows. He knows the struggles. He knows the pain. And he has compassion. Whether or not you caused your situation or not, that's another thing that the devil tries to do to me. He's like, well, you, you did this. This is the, the result of Jesus has compassion. He loves us. Even in the middle of messes that we've made, he cares. <coughs> See, we were created to walk designed a certain way in this life. Sin broke that. But Jesus still sees us. He still desires for us to live the way that we were created to live. And so when we're struggling with these, these, these pains and these struggles, he cares. And so he cares, but he also, he also can and does heal. It's not just theoretical. Remember, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. The promises of this world cannot heal. Ultimately, cannot bring true healing. Temporary healing at best. Mostly what we deal with in our society and our culture and in the world is just mitigating the pain, right? We just want to get by another day. But Jesus promises real, soothing healing. And he shows us right here in a real way He's interested in it, and he will do it. These religious people were confounded. You see the Jews, they responded. They couldn't understand this because a lot of times what our culture does, what the world does, is they wield the offer of help, which is actually a way to control us, a way to get power. Listen, this morning, if anybody's telling you you're a victim over and over again, their desire is to control you. They want control in your life. They want something. They're trying to manipulate you into either misery loves company or looking to them for the solution. Listen, that's not real help. That's not real healing. Jesus offers healing. It's not patronizing. Jesus does heal. He heals this man's physical condition. Pick up your mat and go. It says there in verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And once the man was healed, he took up his bed and walked. So this is the first part of this healing. He demonstrated, Jesus wanted you and I to see through this healing that he cares and he does heal. In our temporary circumstances as well. Our physical immediate needs, Jesus is interested in it. You see it in the life of Jesus. He walked around, he healed 
He touched people's life. He fed people. He cared. He encouraged people. But there's a second part to this healing that really makes it a full healing. Because Jesus knew that this was temporary. He knew that even if he healed this man's body, you know, there was bumps and bruises coming ahead in life. That's what life brings. The man saw his salvation in that pool, and he was looking for salvation for his body and healing for his body. But Jesus came to heal him spiritually. Jesus has come to heal you and I spiritually. That's first and foremost. And that has an effect on the rest of your life. That has an effect on your freedom. <coughs> it's interesting that Jesus didn't hang out here and just heal everybody. I mean, if we saw that and he had the power to heal, that's people's problem with Jesus sometimes. People say, there's no God or Jesus is, you know, maybe Jesus was a good guy, but God can't be God because there's so much pain and suffering in the world. Because we're looking for immediate relief. And listen, Jesus meets us where we are at and he will, he can give us relief. He's willing to do that. He cares. But ultimately, he is drawing us to himself in relationship. Even as Christians, he's drawing us through our pain and through our struggles closer to him. Sometimes our struggle, our pain, our brokenness has nothing to do with our sin or anyone else's sin. It has to do with God offering me more of him, calling me closer to him. It says afterward in verse 14, Jesus found him. I love that. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. See, we live in a fallen world. When this struggle is over that you're going through today, there will be another one. And so the healing that Jesus offers this man is a deeper one. It's a spiritual healing. Christian, Jesus wants to bring healing in, in your life today. He's concerned for your cares and for your struggles in every part of your life. He has healed you. He has healed your souls, right? Through the cross. Every benefit and blessing is yours. You stand righteous before the Father. Nothing can snatch you from His hand. And you may say, yeah, that's great. I needed that reminder today. But I am still struggling. I am still broken and suffering in my life. Well, there's good news today. Jesus is speaking to you today. He's saying, I care for you. I care about your struggle. But don't forget, I am doing a greater work in you than that temporary situation. He who began a good work in you will complete it. He will bring it to completion. So he is working in you to transform you into his image. And so we see that Jesus cares. Jesus heals because he cares. He comes to us. He is able and he does heal. But also there's that second part. We have a part in this healing. To me, the most interesting statement in this whole passage is verse 6. He looks at the man and says, do you want to be healed? What? That's so interesting. Why would this man not want to be healed? Well, maybe he had built a community there at, pool, at the poolside. We don't know. Maybe he had made friends. Maybe he had adjusted his life and he was used to that. Maybe he made money that way. William Barclay, a, a historian, 
said an eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured of his disease. We don't know. Maybe he was there and making a living. Maybe he enjoyed the pity. Maybe he was getting used to the, the pity and maybe he wanted that compassion, was afraid that he would lose it. Why else would Jesus say, do you really want to be healed? Can you imagine if Jesus were here at the soup kitchen with the pot and people were coming through to get soup and he took the ladle and he said, do you really want to eat? People would say, wow, he's cruel. No, Jesus is piercing this man's heart. He is pressing in closer and closer. And listen, if you're here this morning, you're thinking, well, I just need this, I just need that or this. Jesus is able to do whatever our needs are, but he is pressing past that. He is coming to a deeper place. He's calling this man to be honest and do an evaluation of his heart. It's kind of interesting as the man... Um, or he says there, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going another steps down before me. It's so interesting because Jesus said, do you want to be healed? I mean, you can imagine after 38 years, whatever, yes, before he even finished saying it, right? But his, it almost reminds me of that friend I was talking about at the beginning of the message. Do you want to be healed? He just goes into this long thing about how he can't be healed and why he hasn't been healed giving excuses, maybe a little defensive. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool and the water stirred up. I'm trying to go. Somebody else goes in front of me. Listen, there is a danger in living our lives as victims. And the danger is in our culture today, in the world today, being a victim is somewhat celebrated. We've got to fight against that. We can't allow ourselves to live with that victim hood type of mindset. Do you want to be healed? Jesus says, I can heal you if you truly want to be healed. Not everyone wants their lives to change, right? Not everyone who comes to church wants their lives to change or, or to be healed. We want sympathy. We want charity. We want community. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? It's not true healing. You'll be lonely again. You'll have difficult days. None of the things that the world promises, none of the victim slogans that we have today, you can solve any of those, would bring true healing to our brokenness and to our hearts. Because even in all of our kind of being addicted to being a victim, even in the middle of that, is we desire to be loved. And I, there's no love in the world that lasts. There's no love in the world that is like the love of God through Christ Jesus. There isn't. So Christian, even as you say, yes, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, I'm a Christian, I would say all those things, and now I just have to handle my life. No, Jesus wants to walk with you and talk with you. And what Jesus is really asking this man is, do you want real healing? Do you want to be really, truly healed? Because Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. Jesus could have set up a booth at that pool and just healed people all day, but he didn't. It says he went out another way because of the big crowd. Because he had a purpose. First first and foremost, was to bring 
spiritual healing to that man and to you and to me in the cross. And he knew, Jesus knew that this man didn't understand his true brokenness, right? Remember I talked about a couple weeks ago, the brokenness that is at the depths of your heart and the depths of who we are as a people and people all over the world, what we're seek, seeking for and searching for for real healing, we can't find by searching for it. We won't find it in anything in this world. Any spiritualism, any religion, it's only found in Jesus. Yes, we can have peace, we can have joy, we can have healing, but it's when we seek Jesus first and foremost. Then we find healing, then we find strength, we find wisdom and light in the darkness. Find it in Christ. Cast all your cares on Him. Come boldly before His throne. Seek His kingdom first. All those things Jesus has called us to. Listen, you and I really don't even understand what we're going through apart from the wisdom of the Spirit of Jesus. This man saw his salvation in that pool. His world was centered on that pool. He was focused on his physical circumstances. You see it in his response. He's deflated. He's defeated. He's despondent. <coughs> if I can't get in that pool, I'm never going to get well. There's a danger for us as a church as well and as the church of, of Christ today. A lot of churches have shifted their, their mission to felt needs. Felt needs can be good. I mean, to try and help with. Well, they can be good in that they push us towards Jesus. They should, if our felt needs push us towards Christ, push us to our knees, it's so interesting. It's so interesting that everywhere else in the world, in some of the poorest, most despondent places, they see in their poverty and in their brokenness, it pushes them towards God. It pushes them towards worship to cry out in prayer. And in, a, in the United States and in the West, it makes us aggravated with any idea of God makes us feel like we shouldn't have to live like this. Our felt needs, the felt needs of our neighbors and friends and people in our city, ultimately should push us towards the healing that only Jesus gives. But what we'll do is, as Christians, sometimes we use Jesus to get what we want or to fill up our churches, or to feel good about ourselves, rather than worshiping Him as Lord and setting Him on the throne. Jesus said in Luke 12, 23, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So Jesus says, are you sure you want to be healed? Because what Jesus is saying to you this morning is, whatever it is that has come into your heart and mind as I'm going through this message about some struggle, the brokenness, whatever it is, the pain that you're dealing with this morning, what Jesus is really saying is, will you give up control? Are you willing to give up control of that? It's not simply about what you're going through. Yes, that's a real thing. Jesus shows us here. I do care about your well-being. <clears throat> but those things in this fallen world are going to happen again and again. Jesus is saying, I want to pull you towards myself. I want to heal you from within, and that will overflow. 
to the life around me. I was talking with someone here this morning and he reminded me, as a great reminder, that when the world is watching us, they are watching as we go through struggles just like they do. They see peace. If they see peace, then that is intriguing. What is it that you have? What is this hope that you have? Jesus wants to work in our lives to draw us closer to him and to work through us. Someone's treating you poorly? Jesus wants to kill your pride. You've been hurt? A relationship is broken. Jesus wants the throne of your heart that you gave to that person. You're struggling financially. Jesus wants to strengthen your faith. It's not that those bills go away. It's that first and foremost, he's calling you to himself. Come closer to me. We'll work that out. We will work in that situation. But I want more of you. Believer, we need to stop. We have to stop looking at the world and at our lives through carnal eyes and start seeing life through spiritual eyes. Even our circumstances, our everyday situations, see them through spiritual eyes. So in your life this morning, what do you perceive as broken? What do you see? Where do you see the hurt? Jesus heals. Jesus cares. He's able. He's calling you to faith. There's always two parts to the healing that Jesus brings. Yes, he heals our immediate circumstances. At times he works in those circumstances to bring him glory. But first of all, he wants to, to heal us spiritually. Do you, do you want to be healed, he says this morning. He says in verse 8, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. At once the man was healed. Jesus did not play with him. Get up and go and start living like you're healed. Christians, we're not called to a life of victimhood. We're called to a life of victory. Doesn't mean that we don't struggle. Doesn't mean we're not treated poorly. It means that I find my identity. I find my value. I find my hope ultimately in Christ and not in the things of this world. Jesus said after, or it says in verse 14, after Jesus found him in the temple, said to him, see you are well, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus had to bring sin into it. You know, talking about Jesus healing, healing the poor and the sick is comfortable. We build fountains about it. But what we don't see on that fountain is a placard that says, stop sinning. We're not comfortable with that. But sin is why we're broken. Jesus is not saying, listen, if you sin, you're going to be in a car crash when you leave this morning. That's not what he's saying. We live in a fallen world. The result of, of all the brokenness that we see is sin. And there, is an immediate con there are immediate consequences of sin. But sin must be dealt with, and that's the gospel first and foremost. That we, we agree with God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't carry my sin. I can't do anything with my sin. I give it to you. And Christ took it on the cross and he paid for it. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Doesn't matter who you are, or where you've been. He calls you to himself for that this morning. That's first and foremost because sin destroys. 
Over, you know, we see in the Gospels where it says Jesus looked out at the multitudes and had compassion. He had compassion because his design for you was not to live in brokenness. And he knows that sin destroys that. And he told this man, go, stop sinning. At, at the source for you and me and for this world of our brokenness and suffering is sin. And Jesus paid for that on the cross. And our part is to put our faith in that. Jesus tells you this morning and me and this man, none of the yearning, none of the struggle, none of the pain that you're dealing with is ever going to be fully healed until you address your spiritual need. Stop sinning or things will just get worse. And what, what, what happened at the pool? You picked up your mat and walked? That won't mean much because there's something else coming right behind it. You need to find your hope in me. And that, that means, first of all, my faith. I give my faith to Christ for my sin. And so this takes us back to our initial question of Jesus. Do you really want to be healed? Do you want things to change? Are you willing to walk away from that pool? Are you willing to pick up your mat, not leave it back there for another time? I can go back there every now and then. Jesus is saying, will you let me heal you? The things in your life that are mats back by the pool, are you willing to pick those up? Are you willing to leave those? Are you willing to walk away from the sin that you're holding on to, the compromise that keeps you from growing in your faith? The danger for us as Christians is we're looking for ways to compromise instead of ways to fall further and further in love with Christ. Listen, there are people in your life, there are situations in your life that are weights to your faith. Romans 12.1. They're preventing you from running the race that Jesus has called you to. And so he's called us to a perspective shift. Stop looking for relief and support. You know the number one thing that Jesus is always addressing in us is the idol of self. What makes me comfortable, what makes me feel good. That is a constant battle. That is constant crippling. Are you willing to walk away from that? He's saying, are you willing to really be healed? And you may be saying, well, listen, everything is not spiritual, but it is. When we walk in sin, when we fail to confess sin and agree, then our fellowship with Christ is broken. It's not about work salvation. You don't lose your salvation. But that fellowship, that walking in that relationship, when I'm just grieving the Holy Spirit left and right in my life and I'm not hearing the Spirit speak, then I'm getting exhausted because I am living out of my own strength. This pool that Jesus walks up to that's full of invalids and broken, paralyzed people, this is, this is a picture of our world. Not just the homeless, but the wealthiest and the poorest. We, we only pay attention to our physical needs so often, our condition. And so we seek healing in all the wrong places. We offer healing in all the wrong places. We're looking for more power, more acceptance, more money, more status, more, 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 more comfortableness. What we need is more Jesus. So in closing, just three quick things, action steps. Number one, release your grip on you. 
Surrender control. That's what Jesus is saying. When he says, do you really want to be healed? Do you really want me to move in your life? Let go. Wherever you're holding on to control, there are places that are easier for us to hold on, to let go of, but there are places that is hard to let go of. Are you willing to let go? Because here's what we have to realize. What you think your problem is, not necessarily what your problem is. And the answer to your struggle, the solution is not necessarily what you think it is either. So Jesus is saying, let go. Let go of control. He's asking this man, do you really want to be healed? He's saying, do you trust me? So this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never totally let go and say, Jesus, I'm letting go of my life. I'm letting go of my sin and I'm giving it to you. I bring it to you. I trust what you have done. I trust what you say is my, the source of my brokenness. And that is my sin. And there's nothing I can do to repay you for what I've already done or what I've done today or what I'm going to do. But I believe that Jesus died on a cross for that and I, I receive what he has done. Listen, there's two religions in the world. There's, there's Christianity, which says... I'm dependent only on what God has done for my sin, for me to make me whole, to make me his child, loved and accepted and approved of. I receive what he has done on the cross. Every other religion is about me proving myself, working my way to approval, working my way to God. Jesus alone says, put your faith in me. And then Christian, he's saying, release your grip. Let me work in your life. Let me grow you in your faith. Number two, release your grip. Hold on to Jesus tightly. Set Jesus as Lord in your life. Listen, sometimes we sit through sermons and small groups and D groups and church retreats, and we hear about things like abiding, like we talked about a couple months ago delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it night and day. We read scripture to seek first the kingdom of God, come to Jesus in confession and prayer, and then we just turn around and walk out. And don't really want to be healed because those things sound good, but are, are we adjusting our lives to what God's word says? It's critical this morning, Christian, that you feed your faith. Set your walk with Christ first your number one need. It's daily. Start fresh every day. Start today. Say, Christ, I know I don't see correctly. I don't see fully like you see. I don't even know exactly what my struggles are. I know what I think they are. But ultimately, I bring them to you and I lay them at your feet and I ask you to move to bring healing in my life. Ask him to heal. He will heal. Put your faith in Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. And then finally, he says, get up and walk. Live healed. Christians, live healed. Obey. He says, stop with the sin. Stop what you know is wrong. Stop what the Spirit convicts you of. Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit in your life. When he reveals sin in your life, submit yourself to that. Confess it. Forgive, speak up, be quiet, bite your tongue, whatever he says, but it comes by coming to him, seeking his face first, 
releasing the grip of my life, putting Jesus on the throne of my life, and then obeying as he leads me. And he will lead you. And we will find healing for our souls. We'll find healing for our minds. Jesus cares about your emotional, psychological, physical well-being. He sees and cares for you. He wants to bring healing into your life. And he wants to begin your relationship with him. He wants to bring peace in the middle of it. I hope you haven't um, interpreted what I said this morning as God will fix every problem in your life. What he will fix is your heart. And when your heart is fixed, everything else, everything else gets put into the correct perspective. And we can see God move in our lives. Even when he's not doing what we thought the solution was, we can see his hand in it. And we have peace that passes understanding. He's calling to you this morning, right in the middle of your mess, that he wants to bring healing. Finally, being spiritually minded over carnally minded means I understand and put my faith in Christ that my condition is not what I think it is, may not be what I think it is, and the solution is not maybe what I think it is. I just give up control. I want to close with this verse from Psalm 46. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's actually present to put your trust in him this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of this um, story, this event. God, we come this morning and we recognize that you are the God who heals you care for us. Every struggle that we are dealing with, every relationship and circumstance at work, at home, at school, in our families, you have an opinion. You actually have the way through. You have the way to healing. Again, so often we don't think we see healing or experience healing because we've defined it already. We define what we believe the healing should be and we end up walking in brokenness because we don't surrender. And today you're asking us, do you want to be healed? Because I can and I will. So Lord, help us today to release our grip on our lives to grab tightly to Jesus and to live as those who are healed. And I pray this in his name. Amen.